Okay, let's pray. And uh, by the way, we're in uh, Deuteronomy 20, so like all good studies of Deuteronomy 20, I would ask you at this time to open up to the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6. And by the way, of course, of course, where else would we be, right? You're probably already opened up, already waiting for me there. But let's pray. Father, I know you've got, uh, I, I think this is going to be one of our most important teachings certainly of the year, maybe of our lives. I, I, you know, we take your word very serious. We love your word. We enjoy it so much. We, we, um, we know that you want to say things to us about warfare here this morning, that there's things that we need to know. We're in a spiritual battle, Lord, and we want to wage it to your honor and glory. Uh, we don't select this, Lord, but it is what it is, and we want to be ambassadors we want to be warriors we want to do this thing well so we pray that you'd teach us here this morning the things you would have us know and we ask it in jesus name amen uh let's start in ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 i'm reading from the esv just for a change of pace i think you're very familiar with it in king james uh this is not the first time i've ever quoted Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read probably longer than I normally read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and it goes on to talk about the several, several pieces of armor. Uh, that deserves its own study at another time. What I want to talk about here is we're going to be in a battle. It's not if, it's only when. And we'll see that in the fir very first verse of Deuteronomy chapter 20. It's only when, it's not if. You're going to be in a battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle, although very often we perceive it that way. Uh, I would give you, if I had the authority to say, forget it, you don't need a battle. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have the, God always, obviously allows that for a purpose. I don't have the authority, and you will be in a battle. That's a given. What does it look like? We'll talk about that. Uh, what is, how does God want us to wage warfare? We'll talk about that. And that, I think, is what Deuteronomy chapter 20 is all about. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. <coughs> now, I, I could do several chapters here. Um, you, you know, I, I told you last week, I, I kind of take bite-sized chunks, and I kind of do it like Joe Foch does it. He does like two and a half chapters in this one here. I'm going to slow it right down to one chapter because I really want to grind this out and look at a lot of different things. I don't want to skim over anything. 
we have a huge objection in this chapter from the unbelievers. They give us this, well, God wants, uh, he, he's calling for genocide, for, for whole groups of people to be wiped out. That's correct. I'm not going to sugarcoat. And I will tell you my best reason why I think that a loving God would a ask for that or command that even. Um, and, and we can deal with that, okay? I'm not going to sugarcoat and I'm not going to skim over. You know, these are one of the things. The guys who don't do verse by verse who just pick like, yeah, let's talk about faith this week. Yeah, faith, and I pick this verse, and I pick this verse, and I talk, wax eloquent on this verse, and we all go home happy, three points in a poem, and we've done faith. Next week I'll talk about hope. The next week after that I'll talk about love, blah, blah, blah. People who select like that generally don't go to Deuteronomy chapter 20, right? It is a minefield. But God spoke to my heart like a long time ago. I don't need an editor, son. I need a proclaimer. I need someone to teach my word. I don't need someone to defend me in the sense of like, uh, well, I'm just going to soften. We'll make this all about spiritual warfare and we'll forget that Israel actually went into a place and wiped out every man, woman, and child of certain tribes. Now, having said that, Let's jump in. Verse 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, it's not if. It's not if. Well, you know, I'm not a military man, Adam. I would have joined the Marine Corps. I would have went to war if I thought, you know, no, 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 no. This is different. You know that old song, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> we just talked about it in Ephesians 6. Uh, you're a Christian soldier. You, you know that old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. So much back along that talked about uh, battle and, and, and fight and war and, and things of this nature. We don't sing about war very much. It's not part of our hymnal and things of this nature. We, we still do a little bit. You know, uh, we talked about, we just sang about a, del a deliverance. Uh, I, I'm no longer a slave to fear. You know, I, I was singing that with gusto, with relish, with panache, uh, I think, but uh, maybe you would disagree. Uh, let's leave it at gusto. I was singing that very energetically. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. How did that happen? There was warfare involved, and there's still warfare involved. Now, when I, when I talk about a, a satanic attack, I think sometimes people don't want to talk about that. You know, I've been, I've been really, you know, a demon has been plaguing me and trying to get me to lust and stuff. And you're talking like, what are you, some sort of pervert? We don't want to talk about things like that. So everyone's struggling with, like, especially guys are struggling with things like lust. Look, look, it just means you're breathing. It just means you're alive. There's demons who, it doesn't mean you're a bad person because demons plague you. I know something about spiritual warfare. Okay, this is right in my wheelhouse. I've been engaged in spiritual warfare long before I said, yeah, I'll pass the Calvary Chapel in Kennebec Valley. Long time before that, I've been engaged in spiritual warfare. Satan has tried to ruin my life. He's trying to ruin my credibility. He's trying to ruin my testimony. He's trying to ruin my marriage. He's trying to ruin my relationships. That's who he is. He steal, kill, destroy boy, and the game is on Okay, you, you want to fight? Bring it, because I'm not changing my mind. I'm not kowtowing. I'm not backing down. Uh, I can give in. 
But that's not on the radar. So there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a skirmish. I know something about spiritual warfare. Now, can I say this? A lot of people accuse me of, you know, uh, a homosexual could accuse me. Well, you don't know what same-sex attraction is like. You've never... So I can't minister to anyone who's a homosexual. You don't know what it's like to be brought up as Buddhist in a Christian society. You don't know what it's like to be a, a, a first-generation person who comes to America. And, and I, I don't know what this... I don't know what it's like to be divorced and to be remarried. I don't know what it's like to... And so all these things are thrown at me like I can't rightfully minister because I've never been a drug addict, so I don't know what it is to... You don't know, Adam, the monkey I have on my back, the vulture on my veins. You don't understand how... And I think like, you know what? One, you're in the right place. You're in a place where it teaches the Word of God. I think you have to come to grips with a pastor who isn't an ex-user or divorced or uh, has homosexual tendencies or a thousand things. Yes, I'm not those things. That, means, that doesn't mean I don't have anything to say. And God selected me to lead this church to teach the Word of God. You, now, you have to deal with that. I don't have to apologize for not having a broken marriage so I can deal better with people who are on their second or third marriage. I don't, ha- I don't have to. Uh, 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 you, no, but you're very cavalier. I, I, you have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea what you're saying. You have, listen, you have no idea what you're saying. Do you have a pastor's heart? Have you pastored? And maybe you have. Because I think if you're a mom or a dad, and you've pastored over these little charges that God has blessed you with, I, I think you understand somewhat. You think I'm aloof and distant and I don't care. I care about every battle you're going through. You have to just trust on that and take that one of faith. When you go out to battle against your enemies, it's going to happen. It's already happened. You know it. Sometimes we don't perceive it. Sometimes we don't perceive it. Sometimes we don't see it for what it is. We think, oh, this boss or this my brother or brother-in-law. or Don't think in terms of my brother, my brother. They're fine. Everything. I'm giving examples. Uh, and, and, oh, if only this person who's plaguing me. And we think in terms, but it's, it's not. It's not. It's, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And you have to think in those terms. When you go out in battle, are they going out in real battle? Okay, against... I say real battle like ours is fake battle. They go out in a physical fight. When you go out in battle against thine enemies and see his horses and chariots and the people far more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. There's more of them than there are of us. Uh-oh, <laughs> we're in a pickle. Uh, no, we're not, says David. It's me and David... Uh, me and God versus, David says, against Goliath and all those Philistines. <laughs> no, I don't care. God's on our team. Caleb, the same spirit was in him. The, the people, they're, they're all freaking themselves out because you can do that. You know you can do that. 
Uh, you can psych yourself out. I, I, there's no way I can win this. Oh, oh, this is so formidable. There's so many of them. God's saying, don't freak yourself out. I'm with you. Don't you remember me, God? You remember the one who brought you up out of Egypt? Hey, they were the number one army in the world. They're not now, are they? They're all swimming in the Red Sea still. Well, at the bottom of it, for as long as they can hold their breath. I know how to deliver, God says, and so he does. And that's why, you know, in Ephesians, we would be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not how much you're like, blah, just <laughs> rugged and you're ridiculous. Those who battle well trust in the Lord. The, you know, the arm of man is... <laughs> Come on, you, one of you brothers going to say amen. You, we're ridiculous. We're, 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 we're drama queens. We're nothing. We're, we haven't got the goods. God's got the goods. And it's, when we lean on him, good things. God's with you. It shall be when you have come nigh unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. Well, we need a commanding general. No, 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 no. You need a priest in this battle, okay? Why? It's a it's spiritual. But there's hordes. There's Hivites and Jebusites and all kinds of Canaanites here. There's, there's seven tribes here. Six of them listed several times. Uh, you've already fought against Sihon and Og. You've already fought against Egypt or God fought for you. You've already been through. You're already kind of battle tested. And, and the priest needs to be a big part of this. So he comes and he says, unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts be faint. Fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. Don't be scared, don't be scared, and don't be scared. Well, there's a lot of them. There's more of us than there are of them, by the way. When Elisha, you know, they're at Dothan, and they're surrounded by the uh, armies of, uh, of their enemies, Syrians, I think, in this case, and Elisha's his, his servant's freaking out. And Elisha's like, yikes. God opened this guy's eyes and he sees the chariots of fire surrounding them. And he says, there's more of, with us than there are with them. For every demon, there's two angels. In my thinking, in my theology, there's more with us than there are with them. Now, in your own strength, battling demons... reliance on the Lord. The priest comes and he says, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. In verse 1, be not afraid of them. Fear is crippling. Fear is paralyzing. Fear is real. I'm not saying you never be afraid. I'm not saying I'm just saying this, don't obey your fear. Now, I'm not cavalier about this at all. You don't think I have fear? I was debating whether to say this or not. Don't, you don't have to answer me. Don't have to raise your hand or nothing like that. You have been in bed at night and it's dark, darker than you've ever seen dark. You wake up and you think, what did the lights go out? What did the transformer blow? What is, this is way dark. And you sense a presence in the room, maybe evil presence, and you're thinking, like, what is going on here? And you have, like, paralysis and 
breathing is very labored and very difficult, and you have absolute abject terror. Does that ever happen? And in a situation like that, you, you, you sense an evil entity that would crush your life, perhaps even a, a weight on your chest that's pushing the breath, the air right out of you. Is that, is that, by the way, it's a lot more common than any of you think. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, okay? They even have names for it. And you think like, Boy, if I could just say the name Jesus, and you do, through all the pressure, through all the intense, and suddenly, psh, gone. What's that called? Well, it's called spiritual warfare. And guess what? You just won. Now, was it terrifying? Uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying Satan is real and sometimes tangible. Or something else happens. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. And we're like, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm in such a fix. Oh God, I'm in such a pickle. Maybe of your own doing, maybe not. When that happened, it wasn't because you were playing with a Ouija board necessarily, opening up some sort of, you did something wrong, and it's a cause and effect universe, and now you're receiving what you, it's, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there really is demonic entities. They really, really, really exist. That's what I'm saying, okay? If that hasn't happened to you, praise God, know that somebody in this church it has happened to. Know that, okay? Maybe several somebodies. Uh, fear not, fear not, fear not. Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. I'm not saying you won't have, ever have fear in your life. I'm saying what do you do with it? There's a category for that. It doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. Send it right back to hell where it came from. Don't obey your fears. And somebody tells me a story like that, like, well, it's never happened to me, so I don't know what you're talking about. Again, I'm just cavalier. No, 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 no. I care. I'm very, very concerned. And by the way, you got victory. You're still here. You're making my point. You're not making your point. Like, because somebody, like, think they're the... They're uh, I can be afraid. I can be scared. I can. I, I don't, 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 don't. And now he says it a lot of times because fear is such a debilitating. I don't want you to be debilitated. God says that's that's all. That's all. Okay. Now stay with me. You're kind of thinking I'm going somewhere that I'm not going. And the officers shall speak unto the people first. The the priests and the officers shall speak unto the people, saying. What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it. So I'm building a house. I've got it just about built. Uh, I haven't dedicated it yet. Uh, you remember in It's a Wonderful Life, they had that little dedication service. You remember that? That was such a sweet movie. Anyway, uh, I think we don't do that anymore. We don't dedicate a house. They did in that, in that day. And I think it's a good idea. And I've done that. And I've come and people moved in and started by prayer first thing. Lord, Lord, this is your house. This is your sanctuary. Let righteousness be established right here. No demonic entities are allowed here. If there's some past in this, that some strange stuff happened, no, no. 
Don't care who was killed here 80 years ago. Don't care who killed themselves. Don't care what. No, Lord, your residence. You know, and we dedicate. And I think that's a wonderful thing, by the way. You can do that as a high priest of your own house. But you haven't done that yet. Well, let that man go back because another man might end up in that house and he might dedicate it. That's strange. So I'm building a house. I can't go to battle. I'm exempt. Honorable discharge. Really? Okay. Word of God, right? Here it is. What man is he that had planted a vineyard and has not eaten of it? Let him also go and return to Israel. So he should die in the battle and let man eat of it. <laughs> so you got a garden, you got a vineyard, you got a, something growing, you, you haven't eaten of it yet? You're exempt. Say, really? Uh, you're reading the same verses I'm reading. What man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? <coughs> let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle and let the man take her. So I'm engaged. Can't go to war. Sorry. Doesn't say anything about virginity here. It could be his second or third marriage. Perhaps his wife died and he's betrothed again. Would that, would that count? Yeah, it looks like it to me. What is, what is happening here? What's going on here? Listen, if you haven't got a reason to live, you don't have a reason to die. If you haven't experienced life yet, God's saying, go home. You're, because what's going to happen? You might die in the battle, and then some other person is going to live in your house, ma- marry your wife, eat of your vineyard. You being dedicated to God does not mean you're not going to die in the battle. Sorry. <laughs> this is the rules of engagement. If he said you're all 10 foot tall and bulletproof, don't worry, not one of you is going to die. And there were battles. They t- I think they took the whole promised land. They lost like 36 guys in one battle. But God's not saying, you're on my team so you'll never die. Talk to Stephen about it. Right? I'm not... We ha- if you listen to the voice of the martyrs, like I've instructed you to several times, you'll see that a lot of people are suffering greatly for following Jesus Christ around this planet. It's... It's a lot in life, and sometimes to the point of death. Sometimes to the point of death, okay? But the other thing, too, is like, you know, here's my buddy here, and we'll go out to war together. Me, ah, pff, I ain't got no house, I ain't got no vineyard, I ain't got no sweetheart back home or nothing like this. Uh, we're fighting, but I, he's my buddy, and he dies, and it's like, oh, he was just going to get married after this battle, and now all the hearts of the men are, are, are low, it's, a, it's kind of a terrible thing. God says, no, 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 no. Let that guy take care of his stuff. Let him live his life a little bit when he has something worth living for. He'll have something worth dying for. And I think that's a lot of our, we, don't, we haven't understood that about Jesus Christ yet. He's worth dying for. He's worth living for. And I think we have to figure out both of those first to last. So we have those three. And you know, uh, I was thinking, <clears throat> I always, I'm the one who teaches everything is about Jesus, right? Here? No, of course not. Well, now you mention it, Jesus hath built a house. Peter says that we're 
a, li- uh, uh, a spiritual house built of living stones. Has he dedicated it yet? It's not complete. It's the church, and it's, we're not all here yet. I think the last person gets saved, a trumpet blows, psh, we're out of here. Is a number. I don't know what it is. I hope if like it's we're one away. I hope that person gets saved like right now. We'll be out of here. That'd be cool. Uh, but Jesus has built a house that He hasn't dedicated. Isn't that amazing? He's planted a vineyard that He hasn't had the fruits of yet. You say not really. Uh huh. Isaiah chapter five. The Lord's. It's Israel, and I think the church also. And He He promises us. Uh, remember at the last supper, He says, "I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine anymore until I drink it with you in the kingdom." There's a vineyard that He wants to get the fruit of and wants to enjoy with us eternally. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? You say, "Well, He hasn't betrothed." He hasn't betrothed the bride. What are you? You are that. And if you, you, you got to at least know that. Okay? Has he, um, what man is there that hath betrothed the bride, hath not taken her? Consummation, honeymoon stuff. Enough said, okay? Has that happened? No. No. Jesus Christ is this man in all three cases. So he's exempted from the battle. That he fought anyway and won and beat up Satan and the demonic hordes and raised, was raised in victory over them. And there in his victory procession, he shows them he's had dominion over them. And it's, one, it's there in Colossians. I think it's uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, 16, 17, 18, right in there somewhere. Wonderful, we won't derail our, what we're doing now, but he's really done that. Uh, and I think he's, by the way, our God is an awesome warrior. That is many scriptures, okay? So you're going to follow him. You're going to follow him into battle sometimes. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest his brother's heart faint as well as his heart. Wait, what? Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Don't fear, don't be afraid. Now, if anyone's afraid, do you realize no matter what anyone says, there are going to be those people who are just not going to... I told you, fear is, is paralyzing. I'm going into battle, and by the way. Everyone is afraid going into battle. Everyone is afraid. PTSD is a real thing, whether you've been in battle or not. There's other ways to get it, okay? Fear is like, so I'm in the battle, and all I can think about, oh, I'm going to get shot, I'm going to get shot, I'm going to get killed, I'm going to get shot, oh, it's going to be horrible. There I am. That's where they'll find me, full of bullet holes the next morning when they're going over the battlefield, collect all the dead and wounded. Some people are never going to, I get it. Listen to me. God gets it. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. Now, if you're afraid, don't go into the battle. Can I offer you something from someone who loves you desperately more than you could ever know? Fear is debilitating, and it's contagious. Courage is also contagious. Faith is way contagious. Look, 
One little kid comes out and says, Goliath, who is that uncircumcised Philistine, thinks he's standing on my last nerve. We're the people of, uh, this is our land. God has given us a covenant. I don't know who he thinks he is, but he's going to have a bad day right, right here. And he's going to clot up and rain all over Goliath. And he's got faith in God. He doesn't have faith in himself. And what happens? God's, I'm sure God's up in heaven going, guys, guys, check this out, check this out. I got one, I got one. He's the, and he goes, and what does he do? He slays Goliath, and all of a sudden, that faith goes right through the army, and they have a field day. Their champion's down. We got no, God is with us, and David showed it. And, you know, you read stories like that, and you think, oh, man, faith. Faith is contagious. Fear is contagious. Speak faith into people's lives. It gives them great courage. If you're always that person who... I was talking to my worship leader this morning. She was talking about worst-case scenarios. She'd gone for a little test, a little situation this week, and she's thinking, what was the worst-case scenario? Worst-case scenarios are real. You have to think about them. What if I go into the battle and what if I die? That's a real contingency. You really have to think in that terms. I'm not saying just fat, dumb, and happy, pretend there's no... I'm not... Nobody's saying anything like that. You might die. But what, what are we going to do? We're going to obey God and let the chips fall where they may. I don't know. I don't know any other... You got a better solution? That's always, you know... Okay. It shall be when the officers made an end of speaking unto the people, they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. Because we're going in a battle. You, okay, house guy, vineyard guy, new wife guy, uh, frayed guy, see you later. Okay? You, you, you're, not, you're not in this battle. That's fine. That's fine. Okay? It's all, it's all good. Uh, you remember the Midianites and Gideon? I think it's like 475,000. A lot of Midianites. And he ends up, you know, he has no people to begin with. And, and God says, okay, you're fearful? Go, tell him, go on home. He lost 22,000. So they have like 20,000 left against 475. Some huge number of Midianites. The, the odds are staggering. God's saying, nah, still too many people. And Gideon, too many? I mean, I got a few guys and we're going against this horde. And God says, yeah, but you know, when you win, you'll think it's you. You won't think it's me. You've got to pare them down some more. And then there's the water and the lapping and the whole. And he ends up with 300 guys. Was that enough? Yeah, it was enough for God's purposes. Yeah, yeah. They make captains of the army. Because the battle's still on, right? Midianites be attacking us. We can't have that. God raises up a Gideon at that time. It shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking to the people, they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. And when thou comest nigh into a city to fight against it, thou proclaim peace on it. There's a question this night, uh, for Wednesday night. Why that? Well, one, it's a way away city. Okay, first, give them an opportunity to have peace. What does that mean? This is going to subject themselves. Why would you attack that city anyway? 
Well, because they've came and they've raided and they've taken wives and captives or, or some other thing. We're saying we can't have that. They're Midianites. They're in the land. They don't belong there. They're trying to take over. They're wiping out all the crops. There's, there's you know, judges. The book of Judges goes from time to these ones come and these ones come. So you're saying, we mm, ain't going to have this. We can't have this. So we've got to go wipe them all out and teach them to attack us. That's self-defense. But when you do this, when you come nigh into a city... Give them a chance. Okay, do you surrender peacefully? It's the gospel. Before you strap on your sword and conquer, give people a chance to, well, then I got to live like a slave and I got to do everything you say? Well, no, you got to be a slave and do everything God says. That's the gospel. I want you to know it. If you haven't read the fine print in the contract, sorry, I want to tell you that. We, God buys us. He purchases us. We're bought with a price. We're his servants, and we do everything he says. That's the gospel of peace. Praise his holy name. I'd rather be his servant than be anyone else's, any man's king. Now, he's made us kings and priests. Bless him. But we've come to that position where we've accepted conditions. I don't want to fight against you, God. I don't want to fight against your armies. I want to be on your team. Give them a chance to, to proclaim peace on it. And if it shall be, if they uh, uh, make the uh, answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that are found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. And in that, they're really serving God. You do understand the, the, there's a reality to this and there's a spiritual application to this. And if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it the city. And when the Lord thy God hath delivered it into thy hands, when the Lord thy God hath delivered because God ain't allowing Midianites and Amalekites and termites and to invade your land. God ultimately has given us victory, has he not? He's, he's given us power to tread down snakes and scorpions and all manner of... There's no one who is going to stand against us. You want, I, you want me to recount all the promises? You know them as well as I do. Does God want you to live under the demonic influence? I, I'd have to come to grips with that and say, yeah, yeah, God's delivered me into the hand of Satan and that's all this. Now, some will know that there's times in Scripture like Paul, he has an uh, enemy, uh, a, uh, an ambassador of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, he calls it, and God allows it for a time in his life. Listen, I get that. I understand that. That's scriptural. Sometimes, but it's always for our better. God, in Paul's life, didn't want him to be so, oh, well, look at me. I'm the, I'm the man who God's using to, to save all, and Paul's strutting around, acting all. God lets challenges some things come into our life so that we're constantly crying to him. Does that make sense? Because it makes tr tremendous sense to me. Uh, when I'm, everything's going in my life and everything's going really good, I've got money, I've got health, I've got success, I've got influence, I've got everything breaking my way. I'm writing a Hollywood script and I'm the hero and I'm checking all the boxes, I'm ticking them all off. Great marriage, I got a lot of friends, I got this, I got that. You know, my prayers are pretty, the amen is pretty close at hand. Desperate 
men pray desperate prayers. When things are going sideways in my life and there's demonic attacks, which is all the time, just telling you, Lord, deliver me from this. Help me. I'm, I'm, I'm in over my skis. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm threatened on every side. This catastrophe is about to happen. Lord, can you... What does that look like? Victory. You get it? And it looks like, from all men are like, well, look at Adam. He just, he's got this sickness. He's lost his job. His relationships are going sideways. This has happened. This has happened. And we all are like, oh, poor Adam, poor Adam. No, I'm trusting God, and I'm reaching out to God. And I'm, I, that's, that's part of the Christian walk. That's the way it works. That's the way it happens. It's not, it's not bad. It's not a, and sometimes t- God takes us through that. Uh, but if they don't make peace with you, you're going to make war against you. And you shall besiege it, because at the end of the day, God doesn't want, I'm speaking guardly, Midianites, Amalekites, Edomites controlling our lives. I, I won't have it. Every time something comes on me, like sickness, something like that, God, if this is you, your, your sovereign will be, be done. If this is Satan... I'm not having it. Will Satan try to put sickness on us? Of course he would. Of course he would. He called it, Paul called it a messenger of Satan, and he besought the Lord three times, and God said, you know what, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Is that the answer? Well, I have to believe sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. It's not always in every situation, but sometimes it is. So they're going to make no, they're going to, not make peace with you. They're going to make war with you. Open up a can of, never mind, and just win. Win the day. When the Lord thy God hath delivered into thy hands, thou shalt smite every male there with, with the edge of the sword. Really? Yeah. Let's talk about this here because there's, there's, more, to, there's more to talk about. This is that far away city, okay? That one that's not in the land. They came and they stole they took a plunder. They stole some of our wives and our children. We're going to get them back, okay? Wipe them all out. They shouldn't have done that to begin with. Take care of business, God's saying. Uh, you say, well, it's far away. Um, if it's in your house, you'd do it. If someone broke into your house and they were menacing, you're, you're going to steal your children away. You'd, you'd, you'd kill them well enough. Uh, but now that your kids have been taken away into this other land, what, what? They're in a safety place or something? God's saying, no, no, no. Just like in your house. You need to, you need to deal with that. Smite every male. They would, they just, the women, the little ones, and the cattle, all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, thou shalt take unto thyself, and thou shalt eat the spoil of thy enemies, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. And I surprise a lot of people. It's not talking about rapacious... You, you just have a field. No, no, no. There's rules. Uh, chapter 21, verse 10. When thou goest forth to war against thy enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thy hands, and thou hast taken them captive. And you see among the captives a beautiful woman. Hey, to the victor go the spoils, right? No, no, no. Stop. Don't even go there. Don't go there. Don't even go there in your mind, okay? Uh, uh. You, you would have her to be your wife, 
okay, this wifeliness here and all the honor that goes along with that. And God has very strict rules, and we'll get there next week, about what you're doing in a situation like that. Okay? This, you know, uh, Germany in Russia during World War II, and then Russia in Germany during World War II, and all the rape and all the things that went on, and hey, that's war. No. No. We don't. No. God has rules of engagement. Uh, the woman, the little ones, get, it's spoil. You won. There's no men anymore to take care of that. They're all yours. But there's, and we'll touch more on that. Thus thou shalt do on all the cities that are very far off. See what I'm saying? I got that from a place. They're very far off from thee, which are not of the cities of these nations, but the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance. Thou shalt save nothing that breatheth. You got breath, your history, your toast. You're saying, now, this is the part I'm having a problem with, Adam. Hey, I know this isn't, these aren't easy verses. I want you to understand something. You're not more compassionate than God, okay? First, understand that. Because I always get this, like, you know, people always say to me, like, you know, what about the guy on the island? You know, ostensibly, who's never heard about God, never heard about Jesus Christ. And God, people are very, very upset about the man on the island. I read in the New Testament, this guy named Paul is shipwrecked on an island of Malta. And God is concerned about the man on the island. Paul gets shipwrecked and leads that man on the island to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Your inference about that man on the island is, I care more about him than God does. And I just want to say, shut up and stop that. That is nonsense, okay? You're really concerned about that man on the island. You get on a boat, you get on a plane, you go to that man, you tell him the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're really concerned, okay? That's just a way for people to say, I don't have to believe because that man on the island can't believe. Don't stop that, okay? Don't worry about that at all. Here's another situation. What, I'm, I'm more, I care more about people than God cares about people. He wants everyone wiped out. Where am I? You're going to do that to the cities that are very far off, but the cities of the people which the Lord thy God hath given thee for inheritance don't save anything alive, nothing that breathes. Wow. Are you serious, Adam? But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely, and he gives a list. This doesn't go on forever. This goes on the promised land, the Canaanites. We talked about them in the past. You know, the ones that sacrificed their children to their false god, Molech, Chemosh, Baal worship. This group here. And by the way, you have to deal with this. Why would God do that? I'm going to tell you what I think, okay? You're going to utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Uh, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Why? That they teach you not to do so after all their abominations. Is that important? Oh, it's hugely important. Would to God that they listened and obeyed. That they teach you not to do after their abomination, which they have done unto their God, so should you sin against the Lord your God. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's going to take you to hell. It's going to take your children to hell. It's going to take your whole country into captivity. Hello? Anyone ever hear about, you know, uh, the Assyrian captivity? 
or Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian captivity, would to God that they did what he told them to do. God knows. Uh, one of the questions for Wednesday night, okay, God, who loves way better than you do, says, wipe out every man, woman, and child. What is God doing? He loves. He's gracious. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is he saying? They're beyond repentance. They're, they're, at, a, they're at the a sick dog. They're at the mad dog phase. They're, 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 they've got rabies. There's no coming back. Atticus Finch knows that a dog like that should be shot. Why do we play the game like, oh God, why are you doing this? You're mean, you're a cruel God. Stop it. He loves, and he loves more than you do, and he loves more than I do. And he says, that society, I gave them 400 years. They're going to infect you. You're not going to save them. If there was salvation, I would offer it to them. You have to put them down like the sick dog, the rabid dog of a society that they are. I know it's hard words. I know. Sometimes God says, listen, listen, when you deal with your flesh, be ruthless, Romans 6. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Put the deeds of the flesh to death. No quarter. Don't make a deal with your flesh. More, and, and we want to be namby-pamby. We want to, oh, and, and explain why our sin is okay in this situation. I've, listen, I've been doing this for a long time, and people are always telling me why in a certain situation, if you just squint at it just right, their sin isn't nearly as bad as I think it is, or the Bible seems to say it is. Please, please. He's telling us that they're going to infect us. They're going to drag us to hell. They're gonna, their problems are going to be our eternal problems. Get rid of them. Now, God's not calling us to go and wipe out every man, woman, and child in a certain culture. But he does call us to battle. Don't have no uh, compunctions against wiping out. And against, if we dealt with our flesh like God wants us to dealt with our flesh, deal with if I dealt with my flesh like God wants I'd be man I'd be making some hay for Jesus Christ I'd be in a place where God could really really bless but what I'm not as ruthless as I I, I, I would to God that I was more ruthless with my flesh than I actually am now they were actual ours battle is spiritual it's not against flesh and blood God's not calling you to spill blood today okay I say that guardedly. I don't know if anyone's going to break into your house tonight. Would to God that nobody does. But sometimes we're called on to, to defend. As men, we understand that. We've made that peace. We've gone through that in our minds. We understand what our, our job is and what our commitment is. Okay, when thou shalt besiege a city a long time and making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof for forcing an axe against them, for thou mayest eat of them. I don't eat trees. What are you talking about? And thou shalt not cut them down for the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Only the trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat. And that, in other words, they're not food trees or fruit trees as we would say. You can cut down trees. You're going to say that. Thou shalt destroy and cut them down uh, if they're not for meat, not for food. You can cut down those other trees, and thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. What's God saying here? Listen, when you go forth to war, be mindful of fruit. 
We make war against other Christians, against other beliefs, against other... And sometimes we have to. Sometimes I have to tell you a ministry is, is sick and it's rotten to the core. And we have fruit inspectors after all. And Jesus says you'll know them by your fruit. Sometimes we have to make that distinction. But don't cut down fruit. If God's doing a work, let God do the work, okay? And this should help us about when to, you know, gird up and go to war. When to, you know, refrain and when to sally forth. So you can use trees. Oh, man, God's, a, God's not a conservationist. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's his planet. He knows they're a renewable resource. You cut down a tree, another one will grow. You have to be vigilant so trees don't grow on your... You, how many times have we pruned back stuff and cut it and pruned back? And it still keeps coming. It's just That's the nature of the stuff. And God knows that. But if it's a fruit tree and God says, no, I've made this for a blessing, for, and, 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 you know, the uh, sp- spiritual idea of fruit. No, you leave that. You leave that, okay? God's saying. The other trees, you don't eat pine cones. You can use pine. It's pine wood for making weapons from and uh, building bulwarks and all that good stuff, okay? And so that's the last thing there. So uh, 21, a lot of interesting things in 21. I'm glad I didn't try to do two chapters because we're done now. Let's stand and uh, uh, worship leaders will come. I hope this has been a a great... Listen, there's going to be warfare. There's going to be warfare. Wage it well. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I would to God that your picture was on all the post office in hell, most wanted. Just, you don't have to fear. I think demons have to fear children of God who are dedicated to advancing God's kingdom. Let's pray. Hard words to teach, Lord, but I'm not apologetic. I know, would to God that the children of Israel did all the things you'd ask them. They'd be there'd still be a temple. There'd still be, they wouldn't have gone into captivity. There would have been no diaspora. There wouldn't have been no, uh, any of this stuff. They would just lived in and enjoyed your blessing. We'd have people who for 4,000 years have lived and enjoyed your blessing and just been in that place where you just poured out your love on them. And there's nothing like that on the earth now because, Lord, people didn't do the things that you called on them to do. Lord, we don't want to be that. We want to be the people who are obedient. We want to be the people who do the things you tell them to be, to do and to be. So we're going to have warfare, Lord. We pray that would wage it like men and women of God that would have victory in you. And uh, we pray, Lord, your blessing on us, specifically to wit, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.